G'day everyone and Happy New Year. My name is Mike and I'm the Connect Groups and Discipleship Pastor here at HTBB. And we're so glad you can join us today. And you know, 2020, what a year it was. And it was certainly unexpected in so many ways. I mean, who could have ever imagined that it would be illegal to go to the local park with your friend or that international travel would grind to a halt or that governments from across the world would be encouraging us not to visit our grandparents. Bizarre, right? And who could have possibly imagined that athletes would be playing in front of stadiums packed full of adoring cardboard cutout athletes or that priests would be using water pistols to bless people? Okay, maybe unexpected is a little bit of an understatement, but hey, it wasn't all bad, was it? I mean, who could have ever imagined that looking a million bucks for a wedding could be as comfortable and as easy as this? And as we come to today's Bible passage from Mark chapter 2, despite uh, the challenging ups and downs of 2020, we can be comforted by the knowledge that God is never at a loss or surprised by the unexpected. In fact, in today's passage, we see that God often chooses to use the unexpected moments to reveal to us who he really is. And in today's passage, uh, where Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man, uh, it's such a profound uh, and important story that it's actually found in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And at the very beginning of the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, when Jesus begins his ministry, he begins with this profound phrase where he says, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. And for the remainder of the Gospels, it's kind of framed in this statement where Jesus then paints a visual illustration of the lived reality of what the kingdom of God looks like and what the good news can look like here on earth. So right now, uh, why don't you join with me as we pick up the reading from Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They were gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who, who? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say? To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. And you see, what I love about Mark's gospel account is that it is fast paced, dramatic and anchored in this key question of who is Jesus and what is the kingdom of God actually all about? And we're actually invited by Mark into the crowd alongside the disciples, the very ones that traveled and lived with Jesus 
to discover the unfolding identity of who Jesus is. And this particular story that we encounter takes place in Capernaum, which is actually Jesus's home base for ministry, located on the northern part of the Lake of Galilee. And the first thing that pops out from this scripture is that this man who has been paralyzed for a very long time, he's not healed on account of his own faith, but rather he's healed on account of the faith of his friends. And through this particular passage, we also get a hint at the sort of faith that moves the heart of God. It's a faith that is anchored in intentionality and also, secondly, accompanied by a posture of compassion. And as we come to the first two verses of this passage, um, we notice that the crowds had flocked to gather to catch a glimpse of this demon-casting, miracle-working healer called Jesus. And it's kind of like this was the hottest ticket in town in Galilee that weekend, where it was so highly anticipated and so popular that there wasn't even standing room outside the house. And I can just imagine the scene right before this scene. You know, there's these three friends hanging out at their favorite Galilean mamak joint. Let's just call it Q Bistro for argument's sake. And they're just having a chat about this particular friend that they have who's been paralyzed and suffering for a very long time. You know, this guy is probably jobless, unable to care for himself. And back in those days in Jewish culture, he would have been deemed as unclean because of his disability and completely cut off from the rest of society. And so then along comes his fourth friend, because we all know that it doesn't matter if it's East Asian culture or West Asian culture, there's always that one friend that's super late to everything, right? And so he comes along and goes, guys, I'm so sorry. I'm like, but hey, guys, have you heard that miracle worker Jesus is in town? I mean, I haven't personally seen him yet, but I've heard some crazy stories about what he's been doing. And I reckon if we can just bring our friend to Jesus, he's going to be able to heal him. I mean, this is our one shot at seeing our friend completely healed. And so these four guys, they're probably chatting amongst themselves and they decide that because of the enthusiasm perhaps or the conviction or just the compassion of this fourth friend, they decide to travel out, pick up this friend, pop him on a mat and bring him to Jesus. And now we have to understand that the New Testament is actually very much like modern day Asia today where it's set in an honor-shame cultural context. So this particular man who's been paralyzed, sitting on his mat, probably rather awkwardly, I can just imagine the whole way he's kind of just protesting, going, guys, 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 what are you doing? This is completely insane. Firstly, I've pretty much settled for my lot in life. Nothing's going to change. I don't know who this Jesus guy is. He's probably not going to do anything. But secondly, have you thought about the implications of what you're doing? You can't be seen in public with someone like me who's unclean. I mean, it'll completely ruin your public reputation and tarnish your image. And more than that, Imagine the shame that it would bring upon your family because of me. And I don't want to live with that guilt. And, you know, just like today, those might have been very legitimate concerns that this paralyzed man was expressing. But what's incredible is that even when they arrive and perhaps the disappointment of being turned away at the door because the place was packed out and because they were with an unclean person, the friends choose to persevere and they choose to allow the intentionality of their faith and the compassion of their heart to rise above their circumstances. And since moving to Kale about a year ago with my wife, Viola, one of the things we've been hugely grateful for is the wonderful community of friends we found here at HTBB who've really looked out for us, especially given most of our experience has been lived in lockdown here. And I've come to know this wonderful guy called Ian, 
who prior to COVID had a thriving business that once COVID hit, the valuation of his business began to spiral because of factors completely out of his control or anybody else's control. And as he was wrestling in his own struggles, much like most business folk I know from around the world last year, the Lord challenged him to let his faith and compassion rise above his circumstances for him to reach out to and help those that were struggling even more than himself. And as Ian tells me, what began as just small steps of faith-filled obedience and small steps of compassion has birthed into an informal network we have here at HTBB called Enable, a safe community space for entrepreneurs and small business leaders to navigate through this tricky season. And I've personally had the privilege of being part of that group week in, week out. And we've seen numerous people over the year just open up so beautifully and vulnerably about their struggles and their hopes. We've seen people rally around one another in encouragement, in words, and in prayers. And we've also seen numerous miracles and breakthroughs in people's businesses, but more importantly, in their personal lives. And it's as though my experience with Ian and Enable has been like a visual illustration of this passage, seeing the power and impact of people who are willing to hold on to the promises of God for one another and seeing how God uses that to transform lives. And secondly, as we come to this passage, the catalyst for this miracle that unfolds takes the form of a disruption or what some would have thought of as a distraction from what they thought they wanted to hear versus what God really wanted them to see. And I know this season has been a tough season for many people in terms of doing church and doing community. But one of the most common things that I've heard from people who really enjoy church online is they actually find it to be less distracting. Just recently I had a chat with a couple of friends who mentioned to me that when they're at church, they're often distracted by the colorful clothing, uh, by the old familiar faces that they haven't seen in a while, or by the odd occasional noise that floats in to the hall from the outside. But now, if you thought that was distracting, can you imagine this scene here? A group of people packed tight like a can of sardines, packed to the rafters in a house, trying to lean in and listen to what Jesus is saying. And just when they thought Jesus was making one of Miles' famous helicopter or roof falling apart noises, they suddenly realized that parts of the roof is actually collapsing on top of them and the people around them. And they're still jam-packed, probably shoulder to shoulder, very sweaty, very uncomfortable in this room. And I wonder in a moment like that, how you would have responded. And more than that, all of a sudden, there's this strange, unfamiliar, and very unclean man coming through the roof, making a very dramatic entrance. I mean, I don't know about you, but my first response would have probably been something along the lines of, Wallaweh! followed by annoyance or anger or frustration. But you know what's really interesting about Jesus is that he's incredibly patient, despite the fact that he's been interrupted in the middle of his own sermon. And he's just hold space for this marginalized individual and the four desperate friends, and he's fully attentive to caring for their needs. And lastly for me, perhaps the most strange and profound part of this entire passage that hints at who Jesus really is and what the kingdom of God is really all about is in Jesus' words to these intruders and to the people like us who are spectating from the crowd. 
You see, upon seeing what's happening, Jesus says something rather bizarre. He says, my child, your sins are forgiven. Because I find that really bizarre as if there was a man coming through the roof of my living room in the middle of my sermon, that's probably not the first words I would say to him. But secondly, as the highly sensitive religious teachers who were in the crowd already knew that what Jesus was saying constituted blasphemy and was punishable by death because they knew that only someone like God had the power and authority to forgive people's sins. And what's so profound about this final part is firstly, Jesus has the ability to read their hearts and to prove to them that he indeed has the authority of God. Jesus poses this rhetorical question. He says, well, is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or is it easier for me to say stand up, pick up your mat and walk? Because you see, Jesus knew that in the physical, anyone can simply say your sins are forgiven because it is something that's invisible, right? So in the moment, it's impossible to disprove that point. How could you possibly prove that someone's sins have indeed been forgiven. Whereas if Jesus had said to the man, stand up, pick up your mat and walk, and nothing happened, the man still was not able to walk, then the crowd would have known for sure that Jesus not only didn't have the ability to heal the man, but he also did not have the authority to forgive this man's sins. And so on an even deeper level, as many scholars have suggested, Because Jesus is able to do the visible miracle of healing the paralytic, the logic then follows that it implies that he's also able to possess the divine ability to do the invisible, which is to forgive the sins of the man. And this is ultimately a glimpse of who Jesus reveals himself to be, the saviour of the world who has the power and authority to give all who call upon his name and through Jesus are made right with God and others. You see, from our seats as spectators, maybe all we're seeing from the crowd is a miraculous physical healing of a crippled man. Yet when Jesus forgives and then heals, it is a glimpse of what the kingdom of heaven is actually all about. When Jesus heals, it is not just a physical healing, but he heals in the whole. It's a holistic healing, not a superficial healing. Because what is really important for us to grasp as a 21st century audience is that back in those days, as I mentioned earlier, someone with a disability is deemed in Jewish society as unclean, meaning that there's someone who's tagged and played with this label of shame for the duration of their entire lives. And someone who maybe like what some of us have experienced during this COVID season is permanently cut off and isolated from their family and broader society. And when he came through the roof, there would have certainly been shrieks and cries and gasps of horror and people trying to social distance as far as they can because nobody wanted to come into close proximity with this man or his four friends out of fear of being defiled by them. So when Jesus forgives and heals, it is not just a physical healing that enables the man to walk again, but it is a supernatural act that removes the bondage of shame and symbolizes his full acceptance back into community. You know, he can now get up, pick up his mat, and walk away, not just as a physically healthy man, but also as someone who's now emotionally dignified, mentally restored, and socially reconciled, and spiritually set free from the bondage of human sin. He's once again free to eat with his family and friends. He's free to laugh again 
with the people that he wants to hang out with. And he's simply, you know, free to feel human again without fear of shame or judgment. And I feel like someone watching today just really needs to hear this, that coming to Jesus is not just about superficial healing, but it's about wholeness, that in the Christian faith, holiness is not just some sort of fleeting spiritual endeavor that we pursue, but rather it's a lifelong journey towards complete wholeness for ourselves and for others as well. And today, you might be sitting in the crowd watching the story that's just unfolded like everybody else. And maybe 2021 hasn't been the start that you had hoped for, that you're still crippled by the anxiety of the uncertainty of the year ahead, or maybe you're still in pain due to your shame or isolation, or perhaps you're still paralyzed by this great sense of loss and grief that many of us experienced in the past season. But I just want to say that irrespective of whether you identify more with the paralytic or you identify more with the friends who know someone who's been suffering for a long time, there is good news today. And the good news is this, that the power of our prayers is not dependent upon how much faith that we have, but rather it's dependent on the posture of our faith and more importantly, the power, authority and compassion of the healer that we are praying to. And part of being a whole person and tasting a glimpse of the fullness of life actually begins by recognizing and humbly stepping into the eternal hope that we have been offered through the only one who can completely heal us. And that's Jesus. And today, if you don't know Jesus or you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, or maybe you've been away from church or the faith for a while, or simply you're just struggling right now. I just want to emphasize again from this passage that there is no barrier too great, no sickness too big, no shame too deep for Jesus to forgive and make you whole again. In a moment, we would love for you to uh, press the request prayer button down below. And we have a team of amazing online pastors who are ready to chat with you and pray for you. And more than just the transactional conversation, we would love to use it as an opportunity to also invite you into community, into our church home here at HTBB, whether it be through the Alpha Small Groups or through our Connect Groups, which runs across the year, across KL and online. We would love to journey with you. And so to close, uh, I just want to challenge and encourage you in 2021 to be intentional and compassionate about your faith, to be attentive and fully present in the moments of interruption, and to lean in to the one who desires to make you whole. So right now, as we enter into a time of prayer, I would love to invite you to stand up if you're able and willing to do so, and to just stretch out your hands like this in a posture of receiving all that God has in store for us this year. And I would love to invite you to ask God which areas of your life you feel like you need forgiveness and restoration. And just like in the passage, know that Jesus won't hold back. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and reveal to us which areas of our life we need your forgiveness and your healing touch.